and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. And today we're going to be talking all things HMO council tax banding. So earlier this week, the government has gone into consultation to get views on banding council tax for HMOs and the view that we should only have one council tax per property, apart from in very exceptional circumstances. Paul and I will share with you some of our experience on this subject or experience of others that we've come into contact with and just share a little bit more about some legislation in and around this subject. So, Paul, over to you. Tell us a little bit more about what we've experienced or what we've learned, what we've heard on the subject of HMOs and council tax. I have to say, Amanda, when I read this, I was blown away. I had heard this was coming up in the background on the back of Michael Gold's levelling up and ensuring that parts of the country that aren't getting their fair share of equity and assistance, they're not being prejudiced. And this was a clear one. And I understand that some MPs in the background have been pushing for this to be a real thing. So definitely welcome this new legislation. It's going into consultation, which normally means it's a bit of a slam dunk, but you never know. I think the background to this is a little unclear. There's some confusing guidance and legislation from the Valuation Office, which has sole jurisdiction on valuations of property in the country. And what landlords had been experiencing or have been experiencing is that if they convert a house or a commercial dwelling to a small, medium or large HMO, they have been banded by the VOA as a self-contained dwelling. So pretty much treating it as if a room was a flat. And if you imagine in very simple terms, you're in the north of the country and you're charging £450 a month for a double room and you now have to pay council tax as a landlord on each of those rooms. That's a third of the rental income going to council tax. If you add that, if you charge that to the renter, i.e. they pay their own council tax, the renter will say, no thank you landlord, I'll go to one down the road where the council tax is included. So the strange thing, you had a situation where people that we both know have gone about converting a property, anything from a four or five bedroom property to a 12 bedroom property, and was saddled with this extra council tax. And one sad case, someone who I knew personally, had to close the property company they set up and they had personal guarantees. And it caused no end of problems, no end of problems. So the government has now appreciated that this could cause a housing problem because it reduces the housing stock. It's a disincentive for development for landlords like ourselves and our listeners. It puts a bit of a challenge on the renter when they're now asked to pay rent along with council tax, it means affordable accommodation is no longer affordable accommodation. Let's face it, you're paying £500 a month 
for an ensuite room and another 130 pounds a month for council tax all of a sudden you're right you're in the one bedroom apartment area and you're trying to run away from that and you want an all-inclusive type package so this is interesting so the so the consultation is through to the end of march all our listeners that are hmo landlords should put their two pennies worth in and they should write and give their feedback say this is a, a good idea there's a whole bunch of questions that they've asked with regard to should there be a cutoff should there be a number of room cutoff you know is a 20 bed hmo the same as a five bed hmo in terms of its treatment so very very intelligent questions and i don't have an immediate answer for that my default would be yes it should be treated the same but thinking it through perhaps there should be a new banding which i don't think there've been new bandings introduced for forever and a day perhaps there should be a commercial banding a lot of properties are being converted from commercial to residential typically commercial bandings for shops or small units are more than banding council tax for a building but less than billing by the room so maybe there's a halfway half for some of the larger commercial developments what that figure is maybe over 10 over 11 something like that not too sure be interested to see what the feedback is but i think if you look at it in terms of promoting affordable housing throughout the country you know maybe they should just have as a whole unit just to make it affordable for people to to rent because you've got to heat these places <laughs> you know and right now heating these places i mean you know not putting a final point but we had a tenant that came from overseas and he contacted us what a couple of weeks ago and asked very politely if we could have the heating on from 7 p.m. in the evening through to 8 a.m. following morning you know obviously we politely declined but you know this heating thing is a bit of a challenge so the more affordable the accommodation is for renters taking everything into account i think it makes sense for it to be you know as many number of rooms you know just have one counter tax as per and that's a way of helping people out in affordable camp well i certainly you know think that all hmo landlords will be welcome in the news because i think it is fair to say that some investors have backed off a little bit on some of the larger hmo projects for the fear that they may get the banding by the room so not only have landlords been sort of leaving the market for a variety of different reasons whether it be interest rates whether it be the cost of utilities and the fear of potentially converting hmo and have council tax by the room i think you mentioned something in terms of landlords leaving the market maybe we should incorporate this in this podcast now this is about hmos but we should talk about some landlords who are you know fleeing rather than toughing it out but you know the core subject here is the hmo banding and what a positive thing it is for the environment just going back it is part of the leveling up exercise and there is a flip side the leveling up exercise and that's holding landlords more accountable as if we're not accountable mm-hmm. at the moment you know where immigration officers where health and safety specialists where all these things and the government wants to hold us more accountable there's more rights for renters there's a landlord register coming up i don't think there's a landlord out there that wouldn't want a tenant register for these you know some of these tenants that do take advantage we've all experienced them so there is a flip side to this leveling up agenda as well and 
for those who are informed, know what's coming down the pipeline, which is going to make it tougher. So it's, it's, it's good to have some potential positive news for HMO landlords who are investing in, in upgrading existing properties and infrastructure. You know, this thing could all be immaterial if liking a wonderful area of crew, where since they bought in Article 4, how many developments have there been in this Article 4 area for crew? How many applications? Zip. Zero. Zero. <laughs> and that's a good example where, you know, they've taken sort of a, a sledgehammer to crack open a shell where there's been zero development. So a couple of councillors are over the moon, but people haven't got anywhere to live. Rents have gone up as a result because there's no more development. There's no new money coming to the area to develop maybe rundown properties. So this is a good example of where, you know, it's gone too far one way. Maybe the area was too wide. That said, that said, you probably get a planning office or you probably get a counsellor say, well, nobody's applied. Apply, you know. We're probably going to be the first ones to put an application in for something at some point. I reckon 2023, we'll put an application for something and test, test the waters on behalf of our landlords. Well, I can't wait for our objections column of the planning application <laughs> and see all, all of those objections. But if we do, then certainly that would be you know great if we could overcome that and, and get a, another development through in Crew. I would remember driving around the roads of Crew from sort of the station down to Nantwich Road, all around CW2 and across to West Street as well. And every couple of roads that you would drive down, there'd be a skip and there'll be a team of builders and they'll be churning out the refurbs. Now, okay, that does go a little bit quieter in the winter, but I can't remember the last time that I saw the hustle and bustle of a refurb, a house being stripped out, skips on the street. I can't remember the last time I saw that in crew. It's not good, is it? No, it's It's not. not It just feels a bit sleepy. No, it's not good. I mean, considering we have, okay, not in the immediate near future, we have HS2 on the way. We have huge train network flowing through crew. You know, and even as small as it is, it's always been dynamic. It's all, always had a wonderful transient workforce. And as you rightly said, it's, it's become a little bit sleepy mm. because of, as a result of Article 4. And what's happened is now those properties that are already licensed or that already have planning, or you can prove that the property has been running as an HMO before the Article 4 directive came in, those properties are now a lot more attractive to buyers because they're buying something that's kind of ready to go and doesn't have to go through that whole process. So the, the upside there is obviously the premiums on sure. the property if you manage to find somebody that's willing to sell. Time will tell on that one and yeah, perhaps we will stick the application in and see what comes of it. Sure. So it's going back to the council tax by the room. I think we should throw our hat in the ring and try to determine whether there's going to be a cutoff in terms of at what point do they start looking at council tax by the room? How large should the property get to before they levy that? Because I think, you know, there's no free lunches in this world. I'm mm. sure they're going to put a limit. What do you think that limit's going to be? Well, let me say one thing first. Yes, I think they should put a limit, but I don't think the limit should then be, then it's council tax by the room. So it needs to be, okay, yes, it needs to be a cutoff, but the cutoff to then do what? Maybe two council taxes or business rates instead. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah, this is the government talking about. <laughs> You're asking to do two things at the same time. Because even let's say you have a 20-bedroom HMO 
and the cutoff is, cutoff is 20 and you've got like 21 bedrooms and then everyone's developments will probably be 19 bedrooms, I guess, at that point. Yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't want 20 council taxes. That would still kill the deal. So, but to put our hat in or my hat in, I think they might go, I think it's under 20. I, I'm going to be a bit conservative and say the cutoff could be like 12 to 15 rooms. Yeah. That's not what I want, mm. but... Anything that stop anything that doesn't look like a house anymore. Yeah, yeah, could potentially be. I'm not sure what criteria would be used, but as you did mention, if you do get a chance to go on, well, one we encourage you to go onto the government's website and check it out. I'll post the link in the show notes afterwards, and also to then fill in the consultation and give your feedback. You know, the, the more people that are giving the positive feedback, the better. But it does have some questions in here specifically with regards to size and it even gives scenarios. So it says scenario A, this is how different council taxes can be banned. Is scenario A, a Victorian house that has a five, that is effectively a five bed HMO. And then it has scenario B, a guest house that has been converted to a 14 bed HMO. All the rooms have en suites. So they're already defining the difference between shared house and more of an en suite commercial type development and they're saying maybe the, the ensuite development should have towns tax by the room they're not necessarily saying that but they're saying they are two sort of significantly different animals you know you know in the, the consultation you know the irony of this thing the irony of it is that why does an ensuite make something self-contained that's true you know do they want hmos to retain a shared bathroom Back in the old days, things have moved on, which is what they've actually said. The quality of HMOs have jumped tremendously. And we should applaud developers for bringing a higher quality to this sector so that people can have a good alternative from a a living and a residential standpoint, especially if they're only planning to be in the area for about 12 months. They're coming for work or they're coming to be close to a family member or whatever the reason is. My view is that if you think about it logically i think they should possibly band it if you look at it from a planning standpoint you have to apply for planning from seven rooms yes so i think to be fair you take seven i think i think seven is a lucky number for people in some part of the world i think our asian investors like the number seven always the number eight i'm not sure okay <laughs> well if you go in blocks of seven so let's say you had a 20 bed hmo that 20 bed hmo or let's say let's keep it simple 21 bed hmo yes that 21 bed hmo would pay three lots of council tax so they'll break it up into three seven bed hmos i think we could take that all day long yeah and from a council standpoint from a local authority standpoint they're getting three chunks of money yeah the landlord is happy, the tenant is happy because everything's all inclusive. It's affordable. It's no different to running three small HMOs all beating one building. And I think something like that will go down a tree. I think that's exactly what you need to put on our response to the consultation. Fine, fine. <laughs> Let's see what happens. I'll do that. And this is important. And we have to stress people shouldn't be complacent. And sometimes it's easy to stand back and believe that somebody else is going to yeah. put forward their ideas and their thoughts in terms of the consultation. Okay, so, so, so I think this was useful. This was useful for our, our, we have a lot of HMO, or HMO specialists, as everybody knows. So it's good for our listeners to hear this. But let's talk, let's talk about people fleeing the nest, 
fleeing the investment and selling stuff up because it's got a little bit tough. Interest rates have gone up and energy costs have gone up. What do we really think about that? We really think that is a bad move. And Paul and I were saying, we say that we're net buyers and that we're in the market for, you know, as, as, as long as we can. And we're long-term thinkers and we take a long-term approach to property. So when people are, or investors are looking to exit, there's lots of different reasons, sometimes personal reasons. Sometimes they've been in the market for a long time. So it's actually the perfect time to leave. But fleeing because a property isn't quite cash flowing at what you wanted it to cash flow, it's making a couple of hundred pounds less, you're going through a bit of a tough time, we take a different view. And broadly speaking, that view is that property comes good with time, both in an equity standpoint and from a cash flow standpoint. And we would encourage investors really just to take another look at their property to see whether now is really the best time to sell or whether by holding for a little bit longer, they might have a better outcome. What do you think? Yes. Challenge. I think a number of landlords out there still hold the property in their names. Yeah. So there is an extra burden now being put on, starting from your mate George Osborne, who levied that tapering tax and stuck the tax relief. So all of a sudden, there is now a humongous tax burden. On landlords to cope with and when they you know any smart landlord would have run the numbers with their accountant and they've looked at it and they thought oh my god oh my god i'm losing money from a cash flow standpoint which maybe i can live with losing a hundred couple of hundred quid a month for a year or two but i've got to pay five thousand pounds in tax anyway that's true yeah and that's a, that's the bit thinking it through that's killing people there's the bit of a a a lobby group put forward that want to help landlords out because of the extra tax burden i don't think that's going to happen i don't think it's that type of government but i think that's the issue that's the issue the section 24 that came in is now really really biting philosophically we are holders we're long-term holders and the people that are late in the market are probably feeling a little bit of pain. The people that have been in the market a while are probably look back and look back at it philosophically and say, you know what, we made good money when before Section 24, when interest rates were low. I mean, there's a time, you know, remember the financial meltdown in 2010, 2011, when interest rates came down from 5 6% down to 1.5%. A lot of landlords were saved by that and went on to make good money. So philosophically, notwithstanding Section 24, some landlords are thinking, yeah, we can ride this one out. But for the ones that came late to the party, this is looking like a very, very expensive investment. Now, I always say, when I sit down and do some mentoring with people, is that you've got to look at property in a long-term perspective. You have to look at property in a long-term perspective. You've got to do the numbers long-term. And long-term means 10 years. So you look at 10 years out and you say, okay, I'm feeling some pain now. Is that pain going to be here in year two, year three, year four, all the way through to year 10? If that's what you believe that you should get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If the pain is only going to be here for the next couple of three years, then there's an argument that you're going to have seven years of reasonable growth, reasonable rising in, in profit from your investment. 
and the value of the property will increase. Now, if that was thrown in, in the last budget, the chancellor, you know the governments, they're a bit broke, they need a bit of cash. <laughs> so they've got to raise some money. So they look at tinkering with the capital with the capital gains tax. Yes. And you know, tapering that way. So, you know, you can't blame our fellow landlords for certainly considering selling, especially if they've been in the game for a long time. Our position, we've not sold anything. We have no intention of selling anything. And we're still looking to invest. But clearly, we're buying through a company rather than in our own names. And we're thinking long term. We're thinking in 10 years' time. What will be the rent on a two-bedroom terrace house, which mm-hmm. is currently five hundred in Stoke, maybe five fifty in Crew, in ten years' time? What's, what, what's that going to be? Probably in the order of a thousand, twelve hundred pounds a month. Yeah. And then look at the property value as well. I mean, you gave an example of why would you want to make you know three thousand pounds a year in cash flow and pay five thousand pounds a year in tax. Of course, nobody's going to want to do that deal. However, do you think that at the end of the year, your property might have gone up in value by more than £5,000? More than likely, yes. Or over the long term, will it have gone up by more than £5,000? So it's taking a slightly broader view, as you've just said. And you can also look at ways that you can boost the cash flow on a property. So if you've currently got a buy-to-let and it's not really cash flowing or the cash flow is minimal or you're paying a bunch of tax because you've got it in your own name, then you can look at alternative strategies. So, you know, a three-bedroom buy-to-let could perhaps become a four-bedroom house share, boost the income that way. If you look at turning that over to SA, we've discussed on previous podcast episodes, whereby running that as, as SA could effectively wipe out or heavily reduce the tax element due to Section 24. So I always think there's always a way. It's always a way to do something. And if you end up at a complete dead end, then like you said, fair enough, sometimes the only option is to sell. But I think it's time to exhaust every single option, different strategy, different way of calculating your numbers, looking for the long term. And I'd like to think that we're always going to see rainbow at the end, or we certainly hope we will, and and to stick and ride it through. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think if we look at some of the properties that, that we manage for landlords and some of our own, while the costs of owning those properties have risen and running those properties have risen, so have the rents. Right. So have the rents. And, you know, rents are a variable. I don't think, I'd like to think this country is not going to ever bring in rent control, but never say never. But I think the rents have risen in line with demand. Article 4 has reduced the supply of property, increased rents. Landlords exiting the market for whatever reason, means less supply, increased rents. Uncertainty in the economy means more people want to rent. That drives rent prices up. Higher interest rates means people have a lower desire to buy. Yes. Because they're not too sure of their income. They probably couldn't buy what they really wanted to buy, so they decided to stay poor. So there's less movement there. That means more people will rent puts pressure on rent prices, that means it's going to go up. So in and among this uncertainty in terms of the UK market, you know, the smart money is on increased rent. And, you know, whilst it might not be for everything, 
on the other side of the equation, long term. And you mentioned, you mentioned, I think a couple of three podcasts ago, you said when people sell, what are they going to invest in? in, in yeah, that's my quite cold approach. <laughs> but when, when investors do say, okay, I'm looking to sell, okay, and then once you liquidate, where, where are those funds going? And if they're going into something that can generate far better than the return that you're getting from the property, then obviously that's fantastic. But if it isn't, if it's selling out of fear and then the cash is going into the bank and then getting eroded by inflation, then perhaps that feels like you know a safe thing to do, but doesn't really sound like a smart thing to do. I think I, I said to you last time that there was an article that I read where this is sort of the wealthy set, the really wealthy set. They were selling some of their trophy assets because of the hassle. Okay. And they were buying beautiful pieces of art, really expensive watches and jewellery on the basis that no hassle, I can enjoy it, I can look at it, and I'm not going to get taxed on it. (laughs) (laughs) How wonderful to be in that position. I was about to say, when we get to that elite wealth level, maybe we can have those conversations, but I think we've got a little bit of way to go yet. Indeed, indeed. So just to wrap up, great news potentially with regard to HMO and cancel tax by the room. People should write in and push for banishing of cancel tax by the room. We don't want it. No, no, no. And that's potentially good news. And in terms of people looking to exit, they should talk to us. They should give us a call, have a chat with us. And if they're adamant, we could probably find a buyer for them if they do want to exit the market. But our advice is that property is a long term investment. Think long term, think 10 years, think children, think grandchildren. We live on an island, you know, we're not growing, but the number of people on this island is growing. So there will always be demand for real estate. So that's my final word. Anything from you, Amanda? No, I think that I think that's it. So until next time, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you enjoyed today's episode and if so please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too to get in touch with paul and amanda directly please visit their website www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information we look forward to sharing with you on the next episode